Hello, welcome to On the Couch with Dr. Carmen. I am Dr. Carmen. I'm a licensed psychologist in the state of Florida, and I specialize in adults and geriatrics who have depression, anxiety, trauma, um, sometimes brain injury. We do diagnose, we do psychological testing to help clarify diagnoses, and we also help people with regards to their relationship with themselves, their environment, work, and romantic relationships, although I do not see couples. So that being said, hello and welcome again to the couch. Today we are starting a new topic, post-traumatic stress syndrome. The reason I chose this topic for this month is because of our recent hurricanes in Puerto Rico, Florida, up the South uh, Carolina coast, parts of North Carolina as a tropical storm, but most recently in Southwest Florida and mid-Central Florida on the Gulf Coast and the East Coast of Florida because that sucker was big. And uh, this is my, not my first rodeo with the hurricane, but um, I've been paying attention to the news stories. I have been uh, talking to other people who stayed, people who evacuated. I've been in both groups at different times. This time I stayed. Um, so I want to get ahead of some things. And actually, October next week, I think it is, will be... Um, Mental Health Awareness Day on October 10th, and also Depression Screening Day is October 8th. So this month, again, we will be talking about post-traumatic stress or chronic stress, as it said, and today we are going to be giving you information on what that is and how it's defined in the Diagnostic Statistical Ma Manual um, version 5, um, text revised, which is kind of the Bible for psychologists and therapists alike. There's a lot of controversies with this version of the DSM as it's known. Um, however, that being said, I had to get into it in order to talk to you guys about what this is. And it is not my favorite diagnostic and statistical manual. I believe that it muddies up a lot of these symptoms and diagnoses and unfairly removes things that should still be there, but I didn't get a vote and it is what it is. I am happy to say that they did try to consider cultural things that may go into uh, psychological diagnoses. They did try to look at um, economic disparity and how that may impact things. So again, the effort is there. And later in this month, I'm not sure which episode it will appear in, but please do tune in. We will talk about racial trauma because, yeah, it's in there. They actually acknowledged it. Um, so we will talk about racial trauma. I may bring in, again, what the DSM-5 has to say about that. I may also bring in what the racial trauma um, people have to say about that um, just for more interest. But let's talk about trauma, post-traumatic stress disorder, um, and what it is and what the symptoms are, what it looks like. Let me start with some stories that I've seen in the news. I saw a lady describing how she was in, I think, Punta, Punta Gorda or Port Charlotte. I'm not sure where, but it was she and her husband who was wheelchair bound, 
surviving cancer treatments, um, basically an invalid, and she's taking care of him. So they could not evacuate. And she's talking about how harrowing it was when Ian made landfall, which, you know, you may not be aware, but probably like three hours before Ian decided to come and visit us, they decided to change where it would like make landfall. So all up until those three or four hours, we were all expecting it to hit around Tampa, which is an hour, maybe two north of Punta Gorda, Port Charlotte, and Fort Myers. And then all of a sudden, hey, y'all, it's coming to visit y'all down there in the south. So um, it's kind of too late at that point because they were telling us to evacuate by 8 p.m. Tuesday when it was going to um, Tampa. And now we are Wednesday when this thing is practically here and you're telling people to get out because the surge is going to be south of where we said, two hours south. And now it's coming for you. So back to this woman and her husband, she is doing everything she can to take care of her husband to kind of keep him safe. She put a life vest on him. She packed him up around his chair with protective barriers like pillows and different things like that. So if he got floated away, he was going to be able to float because he couldn't swim. He's an invalid. He's in a wheelchair. She um, tried to put other things around him to keep him safe from any flying debris because again, Yes, we've learned a lot since Irma. Actually, since 2012, they have done a lot to change the code for building for hurricanes. So 2012 to 2015, you're probably in good shape. 2015 and above, you're in really, really good shape with impact shutters, cement blocks, or cement poor housing. It doesn't always work with you know apartments and condos and high-rises and so forth. But you get the picture, they have special attachments so that if the roof starts to lift, the screws actually pull the roof back in. Some people have rebar all the way from the roof down to the foundation. So a lot has changed, again, based on what we've learned in hurricanes past. Um, but that doesn't account for flooding. Again, they were getting water in the house. They were getting battered by these 120, 130, 150 mile per hour winds. And she was still shaking, telling the story. She said he was traumatized, but I could see that she was traumatized from, you know, how am I going to keep my husband safe? How am I going to keep me safe? We can't move. We can't go anywhere. Yes, there were shelters for people who are in diverse circumstances because of their health, needing special ventilators, needing, you know, electricity for oxygen tanks, all of that. But again, we didn't know I Ian was going to make this swift turn and put people in the bullseye. And Sucker was so big, as the meteorologist on ABC7 Suncoast was saying, it doesn't really matter whether you're in the eye or not, because it's so big. The big winds, they got all the way to the east coast of Florida with West Palm turning over mobile homes, causing fires, flooding things, turning over planes. And that wasn't even at the eye of the storm. That was the outer bands, which reached across to the other coast. You know, Florida's a peninsula. Takes about three hours to go from one side to the other, um, depending on where you enter and exit. 
that sucker was big. So she was traumatized. Her husband was traumatized. Let's take case number two. She was on the barrier island um, off of Fort Myers, Sanibel, which is a very, very popular vacation destination, a very popular beach. Fort Myers Beach is like 20 minutes away from that beach. Um, but you have to go over a causeway, which is no more because it wiped out half of the causeway. Um, and they could not get off the island. And she was stuck on the island in her home up on the second floor, talking about six feet of water in there, even though it's elevated housing on the island and it was still coming in and then she's telling how the roof blew off and she's cowering behind her bed at that point because her her shelter was in a closet and at that point the closet was you know opened up like a can opener when that roof came off so she's behind a bed trying to shelter from the wind the rain the water coming up all the things and you could see she was traumatized she was crying she was shaking and just never had this happen before. Um, she says she is going to evacuate next time, but she was not expecting this. Again, we did not know until probably three hours before it hit that it was changing course. Um, so yeah, we didn't know what was going on and everybody was trying to make the best plans possible. So these people were traumatized. Other people were traumatized. Um, another couple talked about having to leave their neighbor on the island who was 80 years old and sort of kind of accepting, but still being pretty much in shock that they got off the island. The neighbor wouldn't leave. They lost their neighbor to the storm. And just having to deal with the fact that they were all suffering under the storm and somebody died and what do we do now and they knew that neighbor for years and years and years um living on the island trying to shelter in place trying to help each other and that person is just gone you know the struggle of trying to make the best plans um a mother and her husband and her um I think it was 16 or 18 month old son had gone down to um, Punta Gorda because again, we thought the storm was going to be in Tampa, which was, you know, almost two hours north of them. So they thought they were going to safety when they actually went right in the bullseye of the storm and having hard conversations about save the baby leave me if it comes to me or the baby save the baby whoever it is save the baby i mean having to think about these things make these hard decisions listening to the whistle of the the wind from the hurricane listening to debris flying outside and not knowing what it is i had other friends who were behind impact glass but basically witnessing the destructive forces of mother nature right outside their window and hoping to make it through this. Um, they went to the best possible place they could, but all of these things, plus some other factors, if you've had small T traumas in your childhood, if you've had other events that were life and death, or you thought you were going to die, or somebody else that you knew you thought they were about to die and you were witnessing it can cause post-traumatic stress disorder. So what is it? The central symptoms 
and concerns of post-traumatic stress disorder, um, they are under an umbrella of anxiety and depression because you can get symptoms of both with that. I really don't like the way this is set up. Oh my goodness. It also looks at, um, it also looks at comorbidities, uh, what other issues or psychological disorders can co-occur with it. If the phobia develops following a traumatic event, post-traumatic stress disorder should be considered as a diagnosis. So let's go back to Katrina. Um, let's go back to Irma. I know people who have been in both. I had family in both. Again, I decided to evacuate for Irma because she looked as bad as Katrina and I wasn't going to be here for that. I was not going to be here to swim through water. I was not going to be here to deal with, you know, lack of access to supplies, to food, to water, et cetera, et cetera, eating even though it was all these years later, I wasn't going to do that. And I wasn't going to put my family through having to look for me, search for me in that kind of a situation. So, you know, other people have developed phobias about rain and storms because of Irma, because of Katrina. And anytime it rains hard, they are taken back to those same circumstances and they are freaking out getting anxious, heart palpitations, feeling shaky, feeling scared, wanting to withdraw and hide, not wanting to go out, not wanting to get dressed, feeling helpless, feeling hopeless. That is all PTSD from the storm. Unable to function uh, because of fear of the storm and fear of what is going to happen this time. Will I survive it? So that's how the phobia might develop uh, or phobia of floods and water, again, because that was a component of both storms, all of the water, all of the, uh, all of the rain, all of the winds. Um, you know, I, my mother survived Hurricane Betty, Hurricane Katrina. So, you know, having me go through Irma and Ian, that is not she was not a happy camper. So that can lead up to post-traumatic stress, not adding to other possible um, traumatic incidents, whether it's a health issue that people have had. Um, maybe you went to the hospital and you had a heart attack and then suddenly waking up in the middle of the procedure or after the procedure, you don't know what's going on. You don't remember what's going on. Sometimes there's health-related trauma that can add to it and make you more susceptible. The more little T traumas you have, the more likely you're going to get the big T trauma. So that's one of those things. And it's still not giving me what I want. Uh, I really, really, really don't like this version of the DSM. It is not clear. It is not clear at all. Um, just trying to get to all the symptoms. Um, the treatment is to see somebody like myself who is well-versed and trained in post-traumatic stress or a psychologist or a licensed clinical social worker. 
just trying to give you the specifics of it. Um, and it's just not opening it up the way I want it for you guys. But we talked about possible withdrawal, possible phobias, feeling like you are reliving the event because you're triggered by the rain, by the water, by the winds, um, by the news reports, excuse me, of another storm event. Those are all triggering and can bounce you back to a flashback of what happened before when you were fleeing from this traumatic event, um, when you were trying to get out or you were trying to get help. So let's look at a better explanation. I am giving up on the DSM-5 TR. Um, according to the National Institutes of Mental Health, post-traumatic stress disorder develops in some people who have experienced a shocking, scary, or dangerous event. Um, it used to have the language, again, of a life-threatening event that activates a fight-or-flight response and um, which is a typical reaction to that and you're trying to get away from things and your body is setting you up to fight your way out of a bad situation for your safety or to get to safety or to um, flee from the bad situation now this is what makes hurricanes so unique we get a lot of warning ahead of time to get away from it or to get to a safer place, if you have the finances to do that, if you have the ability to um, miss time from your job and do that, that's all great. That's is gravy. You know, I can get out for a while um, and I can sacrifice a week without a salary or a week in a hotel or two weeks in a hotel plus buying food and all of the other things that you need when you're away from home. Um, that's not everybody. So that may add to the burden of feeling like you're in danger and you can't get away, which increases the severity of the trauma because you can't fight your way out of it. You can't get out of it. You feel even more helpless, even more hopeless, heightened sense of danger um, and life being threatened. So what are the symptoms? Most, but not all traumatized people experience short-term symptoms. The majority do not develop ongoing chronic post-traumatic stress. Um, not everyone who has been through a traumatic event develops post-traumatic stress. Again, that goes more to what happened as you were growing up, developmentally, you know, were you in a dangerous situation or have you had a lot of small little T traumas before uh, loss of a loved one, um, witnessing violence in your home, um, witnessing people being robbed or hurt or other dangerous situations you could have been in. Again, like I said, some health traumas. Um, I spoke to an individual who had a lot of surgeries growing up to correct a congenital disorder. And there was a lot of trauma related to that congenital disorder being corrected surgically. So they still have lingering effects of that. That is the kind of thing we're talking about. What is in your makeup? What other traumas have you been experiencing? How did you weather those traumas? Um, and that determines whether or not you develop big T post-traumatic stress trauma 
or you have an acute stress disorder, which is a short thing, six months or less, um, that's kind of how it goes. And how much support and resiliency you have. Do you have a good support system in your family? Did you get therapy, which the uh, Florida Disaster Organization has set up 1-800-NUMBERS for mental health for people in the storm. So you can talk to someone whether you have insurance or not. Um, let's see, we were going through symptoms, talking about the severity and the length of them, but most people, it goes away about three months after the symptoms appear. Um, symptoms can last more than a month and be severe enough to um, cause you to have problematic relationships, possibly difficulties at work, possibly difficulty taking care of yourself, those kinds of things. Um, let me see. So to be diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder, you have to have at least one re-experienced symptom. Again, that's what I'm talking about when I say you were triggered by, you know, the rain, maybe you just run and hide or you wouldn't go to work because it was raining too hard or you wouldn't go do things that you would normally do, a hairdresser appointment, um, going to the grocery store because it's raining too hard. I'm not coming out of there. Or uh, let's say you had a car accident and the trauma was related to the car accident and you start avoiding the area where the car accident happened or when you pass by another accident, you re-experience your own accident or seeing an accident in the paper or on the news, you re-experience your own accident. It's as if it's happening now, not six months ago, two years ago, five years ago. So you also have to have at least one avoidance symptom. Like I said, I'm not going to drive where I had the accident. I'm not going to go out when it's raining hard. Um, two, arousal and reactivity symptoms. Again, it starts thundering and raining too hard outside. Or you can hear the wind whistling outside and your heart, or you break out in a cold sweat or you're... You know, or you go and hide and cover up and you won't come out of your bed. Um, those are kind of arousal and reactivity symptoms. You have at least two cognition or mood symptoms. You're more anxious. You get depressed during storms. Um, you get too anxious to, you know, even go drive and do fun things. Um, you have bad dreams, you don't sleep well, um, you have frightening thoughts, um, re-experiencing symptoms can cause problems in your everyday routine. As I've said, you don't, you don't go out and do things, or maybe it prevents you from enjoying things with people you usually enjoy hanging out with, um, you can't go places with them, or maybe you, if it's a car accident thing, you don't want to drive with anybody else because you have to be in control. Um, maybe you were the passenger in the car accident previously. Um, we talked about avoidance symptoms. I'm not going to talk about them again. Um, avoiding even thinking about it or feelings related to the traumatic event also count. Um, arousal and reactivity, in case you didn't understand what that is. Being easily startled. Everything is like, oh, what, what's that? What's that? What was that noise? Or, you know, what are you doing? Or, you know, people seem to move too fast for you. You're on edge. You're always tense. 
um, ready to get out, you know, so overactive fight or flight, you're just like, all right, where's it coming from next? I, I gotta, I gotta watch all the areas because I don't know what's coming next. Um, having difficulty sleeping, angry outbursts, um, you know, just being crabby and jumping on people and being really extra snappy because you are on 10,000 with regards to being triggered. Um, the cognition stuff, you know, difficulty remembering, you're not concentrating, so you're not remembering because you're caught in either, excuse me, reliving the past or um, distorted feelings like guilt and blame related to that. Maybe you survived and somebody else who was with you did not make it, like that couple who lost their neighbor who was in their 80s. So, um, a loss of interest in enjoyable activities because, you know, just bad stuff happens. There's, you know, you can't see any good stuff or you're only looking for the bad stuff to try to avoid the bad stuff. So you don't really enjoy the good moments, um, the good experiences, or you won't allow yourself to go out and have the good experiences. So those symptoms can begin or worsen after traumatic events, but are not due to injury or substance use. So again, you always need to ask the question or the therapist needs to ask the question, are you using any substances? Have you increased your use of alcohol, pot, uh, pills, any of those things, trying to manage your anxiety or stress related to the trauma? So I'm not dealing with children today. So this is not meant to talk about children's um, reactions to traumatic events. Um, you are welcome to check out the American Psychological Association. Um, they have a lot of literature on helping children deal with natural disasters, especially after the previous storm. Um, so I invite you to go on to the American Psychological Association, APA.org and check that out. Um, if you need help explaining some of these things with your children, knowing what signs to look for in children, because anxiety and depression present differently in children. Oftentimes it's more acting out or withdrawal with children than them actually verbally stating, you know, I'm feeling anxious, I'm feeling depressed, I am feeling traumatized, said no child ever, unless they were very, very advanced, very, very bright or, you know, older in their, you know, tweens or teens. But again, it's more about their behaviors changing after the event um, than it is about the verbalization of their feelings. Um, let's see. So let's talk about risk factors. I alluded to that a little bit in the beginning, um, the risk factors um, for developing PTSD um, is that seven or eight out of every hundred people will experience post-traumatic stress disorder. Women are more likely to develop PTSD than men and genes may make some people more likely to develop it than others. Um, not everyone with PTSD has been through a dangerous event. Some people with PTSD after a friend or a family member experiences danger or harm um, present with those symptoms. The sudden unexpected death of a loved one can also lead to post-traumatic stress disorder. So 
It's important that you remember not everyone who lives through life-threatening circumstances develops PTSD. Um, there are many factors in it, living through dangerous events and traumas, as I said earlier, getting hurt, seeing another person getting hurt, or seeing a dead body. Um, there are already um, Florida disaster preparations for first responders who are having to go and look for people who have died during this storm due to the waters, due to the, the winds, due to, you know, building collapse and so on. So um, they would need help too for seeing that even though they see these kinds of things as part of their job, it can be overwhelming and overloaded in such heightened situations as these. Um, feeling horror, helplessness, or extreme fear, having little or no social support, as I said before, having um, to deal with extra stress after the event, such as loss of a loved one, pain and injury, or loss of a job or a home. Again, many people's homes have been affected by these hurricanes. Um, it looks like matchsticks out there, just like the building collapse in Miami. Unimaginable, even though we live in a hurricane prone zone, it still can be unimaginable um, and hard to know what to do. Having a history of mental illness or substance abuse can also put you at risk for developing PTSD when you're under these circumstances. So what helps? The things that help um, to promote recovery, to get you back to your functional self and living your life is again, getting support. Um, from your community, from specialists such as myself or licensed clinical social workers or licensed mental health counselors, um, finding support groups, uh, learning to feel good about your own actions in the face of danger, having a positive coping strategy or a way of getting through bad events, some kind of spiritual um, focus that helps you have and keep hope. Um, is also helpful and being able to act and respond effectively despite feeling fear. Um, part of therapy oftentimes is showing and making apparent to the, the individual who's sitting on my couch that you did the best you could with what you had in that situation. You survived. You did what you needed to do to survive. Um, and making your peace with that and figuring out how we can be more resilient, bounce back better if we have other adverse circumstances going on. So um, that is what PTSD is. Um, we will talk about how it's treated in another episode. I hope this is helpful. I hope my deepest hope is to give you clues to advocate for your own health. Yes, we have a lot of people in need of therapy in light of the pandemic, in light of social injustice, in light of um, inflation and other economic factors that are making it more difficult to manage day by day. But there are ways to get therapy. Um, I've talked about many of them. 
And um, I will try to include that on this podcast as well so that you can find the resources. Um, Many of them like Therapy for Black Men and Therapy for Black Girls get affiliated with foundations that also provide some free care. Um, They're grant funded. I don't know where they stand with that at this point, but I know that it was being done, especially during the pandemic. So we have that going for us and to provide some help for you. This is my free 99 to try to provide some help and guidance in getting help for everyone out there. Um, And also to help explain what therapy is, what therapy is about, what these symptoms and disorders are. Um, We have to talk in symptoms and disorders because that is what insurance companies recognize and that is what they pay for. And our treatment has to be based on evidence-based therapies, um, therapies that get good results. Let me put it that way. So that's why we lead with the diagnosis. That's why we lead with these symptoms go under this diagnosis and those symptoms are something else. Um, in reality, it's probably a combination of things, but having a therapist that's well-versed in some of these things can make therapy better for you once you find the right fit. So that is post-traumatic stress disorder. It is our topic for this month to be talking about how you deal with it um, and how, how you can help yourself as well. So thank you for listening. If you have more specific questions about PTSD, again, this is educational. I am not your therapist until we meet um, for telehealth sessions and are actually under contract in an agreement. Um, again, this is educational to provide information for you and to help you link with services. So thank you again. My name is Dr. Carmen and you have been on the couch with me. I will see you next week for another aspect of post-traumatic stress disorder and how we help you heal. And until then, be well.